This week on The Scope, LeBron James, China, and the adverse toll that travel and stress takes on athletes. everyone welcome to the scope this is raj alongside jason hey man how's your week been going it's good it's been a it's been a really good week it's uh on the east coast it's fall so we have the heaters off the air conditioner is off it's just good weather there's you know we have 55 degree mornings and 70 degree afternoons it's like heaven so i can't complain i love october it's like LA year round. I got you. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Nice man. That's awesome. Except, except for without the traffic, right? What's that like? <laughs> What's that like? I mean, it's honestly, I've there was a long time where I was not in traffic because I lived in San Francisco, I lived in Manhattan, and then Flagstaff, so I didn't have a car, and it, it was quite nice. And then now I'm back in the car capital of the U.S., if not the world. It's tough. You know, the other one that's getting really bad is the I-25 corridor, the like the massive front range Denver to Colorado Springs to Fort Collins corridors is getting just as bad as sort of that L.A. area. Really? Yeah, it's uh, it's massive growth. They have one basic highway artery that connects it all and, and – uh, and they just under undersized it. They underestimated how fast that that area would grow. Gotcha, makes sense. I mean, typically when people say it's like LA, like for example, I had a rotation in Atlanta, and people were like the traffic's terrible. And then it was a Friday evening, and I got from the suburb to downtown in thirty minutes. And I was like, "You got to be kidding me! That, that's like a, that's a two hour drive in LA on a Friday." Well, it, Atlanta can really be bad. I know Uber drivers because I, I did projects in Atlanta for a few months. So I, I was living there for a few months. I know Uber drivers who their main reason for driving Uber was it was going to take them two and a half hours to get home from, from their day job. So they just drive Uber locally in town for two hours and then they drive home at seven thirty, and it's a 45 minute drive. So, mm. um, so it can really get bad. Atlanta's bad. Boston can be bad. Um, Seattle can be bad, you know, Portland, they all can be, but LA is a different animal entirely. There's just nowhere to nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. Yeah, LA, and then the, I think the second worst I've ever had was San Francisco, just because the one they built their freeways as an afterthought, and so it's not really well designed. And Great. secondly, they've had such a population boom to Silicon Valley growth, and continued growth has really led to a population boom there. If not for their public trans. That's exactly. probably the worst traffic in the nation. Absolutely. The uh, public transportation, fortunately, is really good there. So oh, use great. it if you have to go, for sure. It's absolutely great. Anyway, enough about traffic, man. I deal with this whole my whole life. <laughs> Let's get the first topic at hand. I don't know if you've heard about what happened in China this past week or LeBron James. But. Yeah. 
that's the first topic at hand. What what were your kind of your thoughts on everything that went down? Um, well, my thoughts are that anything LeBron James says gets amplified, and um, I think his points. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't read the problem that other people read uh, into it, but his point essentially was: we're over here right now, and um, you put us in a bad position. Um, and these are complicated issues that we, um, we as Americans don't really fully understand all of the, the variables and, uh, we should probably not dive into these topics, you know? And, and I think he took a lot of criticism for his previous comments around social issues in the U S, but I think that's really, really different being able to understand having grown up in a country and understand the social issues in one country enough to at least have a, a, a an opinion or a perspective based on some um, some real awareness. But trying to speak into uh, the very fraught, complex, um, you know, Hong Kong sort of China dynamic is is tough. So they were put in a bad spot. I don't think that Daryl Morey should, should necessarily be fired, but um, you know, I think on on face value, LeBron was right. They were put in a bad position. No, and I had I had a similar take, and some of it was colored by Shams wrote a really good piece that morning on the Athletic, which went into detail on LeBron's immediate reaction when the team was in China and his primary concern was player safety one and also putting young players into this unfair spotlight and pressure to handle these questions. And he was really saying that the lead should take the lead on on that and the players will follow up. And so I think some of that probably also colored his own comments when he got back, but I was viewing his commentary through that lens and so I took it the same way as you did, where his really his concern, main concern was with how Maury's comments put them at risk, even though I've heard people say, oh, it's LeBron James, NBA, they're safe. It's easy for us to say that when you're not the right. one in the country, a country that is a totalitarian regime, especially since more and more hardline since 2016. And so... It's really easy to say that as a third party with no skin in the game. And what I was surprised about with LeBron's comments, he had a week to think about these. And there were, frankly, they were really, really sloppy, right? The uneducated aspect that that that, to, that word that he said about, like, that's a trigger word. You can't yep. say that. And, and then you can't even say the freedom of speech. That's going to trigger people and not let them hear anything else. They're going to hear those things especially when you, when you say that from the front, even though he clarified later on, I thought my, you know, I was pretty sure I knew what he was talking about, but then he clarified, but it's too late at that point, especially when you're LeBron James, like you said, those, everything he says is so amplified. And so, yeah. And at the end of the day, this is really an entertainment product for the fans. Um, And the, uh, there are a lot of, of basketball fans in China um, they, they shouldn't be forced to, um, make a choice between, you know, an entertainment product and sort of, um, the social 
um, you know, issues at hand. They, they, they should, people, normal, regular people should be able to have them separated a little bit. And again, if it was Yao Ming who, um, had a, had a, a stance on it and, and, I understand Yao Ming's position within the within the Communist Party right now, but but if it was a right. player or, or even Stefan uh, Stefan Marbury, who lived there for many years, um, that that had a stance on it, mm. I'd be I'd be much more open to having the debate. But you know, I feel like Daryl Morey, and, and I'm a big fan of his. I do think he's very good at his job. I think he's fallen into a little bit of the Dunning-Kruger effect here where he knew just enough to be dangerous about a topic. Right. And, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I sat with uh, yesterday uh, a new employee uh, working for the team in Philadelphia who came from Tencent. And those relationships are real. You know, the, the team actually hired um, – hired this person away out of the media to sort of be the ambassador to uh, NBA China on behalf of the team. And I think that was a really smart decision, but he was very worried about his own position with this, with this uh, controversy, if this was all going to break down and there would be no need for someone like that. And I think, you know, my, my take with him was, as we sat uh, yesterday, I said, they need you more than ever. You know, they, this is exactly when you need an ambassador to sort of walk people through at least the basics of, of why this issue is fraught and why it's not as simple as, you know, rah-rah's free speech. Um, you know, there there is uh, – there's just a lot here and it's it's odd that we're spending time – so many of us on these, on these podcasts, we're writing about something that has very little to do with uh, with sports. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me when it comes to the whole situation, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, was the fact that, correct me if I'm wrong, all of LeBron's actions and his community work has been within the U.S. His work with Boys and Girls Club, I Promise, 1X1, his mission has really been to bring kids out of poverty within the U.S. I don't think he's ever taken that stance globally, right? You have guys like Popovich and Kerr who comment on U.S. politics and situations, and they also gave kind of a similar answer as LeBron did about where they weren't really commenting on anything about Hong Kong and China, and they both kind of said, we don't really understand it that well, which LeBron also said himself. So it's really easy for us to want someone to speak on something because we like we're assuming that they're a global ambassador but none of his actions to me have really ever said that he's going to take up the cause of every single person right in the world that's just not how i've seen lebron even though you know he he i know he's compared to himself to ali but as someone told me about lebron like not there's no santa claus right not everyone is going to be that type of individual who's willing to do that. So maybe the expectations are kind of being rearranged back to reality. Yeah. And, and if there's, if there's one critique of America that the world tends to have, and and maybe more so now 
um, than ever is that we tend to stick our nose into things that we don't know much about and we have an opinion on everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is one of those areas that um, I think I think it, there's a really interesting story here to be told. I just don't think um, sports media or athletes or front office members should be the the people telling that story. You know, maybe our maybe our world news people or maybe our uh, politics and economics um, media should um, spend less time um, following you know certain people's tweets <laughs> and uh, more time really diving into and educating uh, people on some of these complex topics. So you know I don't necessarily think um, and I, I'm really trying not to ha- not to show my opinion on this topic because because I don't think I'm well informed. Um, you know, I do think that our relationship with with China is really important. I will tell you I, I, flat out. I uh, had my son in uh, Mandarin classes from middle school all the way through high school. So I, you know, we obviously thought it was really important. I think that. That on the world stage, it's important that America get more more informed about things, but I just don't think we're there yet on this topic. And, and you know, and the, the whole history of colonialism um, and the and the that layer of the Hong Kong story is uh, is not something we should ignore. So, you know, it it there's a lot to it. I think you know we should. I, I do hope someone spends time uh, really diving into it. I just don't think it should be Daryl Morey or LeBron James or myself. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I mean, super, I didn't speak superficially and say, hey, I, of course, support Hong Kong's right and the demonstrations, you know, to, to try to voice that right. But do I know more about it, all the intricacies? Absolutely not. And therefore, people have asked me, what's your opinion? And I say, I don't know. I just don't know enough about it. So I'm not going to comment when I'm at an information deficit. And Yeah, I, I, I will say the one downside that I, I, I think um, that this highlights is as much as we want the NBA to grow into a global game, I think there is a significant impact on teams who – go and play in Asia in the preseason. Uh, I think it's pretty well shown that that has an impact. Um, where you would hope it would have a positive impact is on player unity uh, and and team chemistry because you are sort of uh, alone in another culture, so you have to sort of be close. You can't go out separately at night. Um, I think it, it has shown some real um, effects on teams early on as far as dead legs and just the sheer amount of travel. So I do think there's a there's a downside to that. I, I almost wish they could do it at a different part of the summer maybe, but that's probably not contractually uh, reasonable. No, absolutely. And that's a great segue into the main chunk of this pod, which is looking at the adverse effects of traveling and how that, and, and honestly, chronic stress, of course, with the lens being from this China trip and how it affects athlete performance. I mean, just from a basic theoretical standpoint, the way I tell any athlete I know is, you know, how do you feel when you're not sleeping well, right? You're fatigued. You can't process things 
as quickly. Everything just feels kind of off. And so, of course, that's going to go out and affect your routines and your performance. And I know, Jason, you've had conversations. You've written a, a piece on this as well. So I'll let you dive more into that. Yeah, I think it really does build up. I think that um, the NBA and and other uh, leagues really know about it. The the NBA is probably and and maybe NHL are probably the hardest hit by this because they, uh, unlike Major League Baseball, where they move to a city to play a series of games, so they're in a town for three or four days. Um, the NBA sort of flies in, they play their game, and they and, and they often fly out within the span of thirty six hours. So you've got two flights. I I've traveled a lot in my career, and I will tell you when you have to do two flights in uh, when you have to sort of fly in, do your thing, and fly out. Um, that builds up, and and these guys are doing that, you know, forty plus times. Um, plus the playoffs, it's uh, it's something that really does um, affect people differently. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of players um, over, over the course of the last season around what are their sleep habits? How do they rest and recover? It's more than just, you know, sore muscles. And that's, I think, what we focus on is mm-hmm. the wear and tear of the load of playing that many games. But as much as that, it's the how many how many trips in an airplane are you taking? How much time are you spending not in your own bed? And and as nice as the hotels are that they stay, it's not your own bed. It's hard to get into a routine. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why younger guys struggle a little bit more and, and mid-prime veterans that can really find a routine and stick to it uh, tend to thrive um, during that during those mid prime years from let's say twenty seven through you know thirty one or so um, because these guys really are developing habits and repeated techniques that work for them and the younger guys they just aren't there yet and and it's it's everything it's nutrition you know when you're on the road you're more likely to grab something uh, quick and easy and probably um, less healthy, uh, your options just, just are, are more convenient to get worse food. Um, it's, you know, how do you settle in? Are you more likely to go, want to go out and explore the clubs in, in a, uh, foreign city, um, on the road? There's a, there's a lot of things that can, that can pull away from those rest and recovery habits. And it's really, it's really important. Um, for these, for these guys and a lot of stories this week. And I'm glad they've come out about this. Yeah. And then to your point about nutrition, when you're tired, you're more likely to give into some of those, uh, you know, eating poor habits. So you're just like, you know, screw it. I'll go eat this. Right. And so that that's part and parcel with all of it. Oh yeah. Last night, this, this morning I woke up, my stomach was, was churning and I, I thought, Wow, what what did I do last night? And uh, I remembered that around eleven o'clock, I think I ran downstairs and ate a bunch of fudge stripe cookies. Oh like, my goodness, that's uh, just that's just not good. Uh, well, to any listener out there, I recommend do not do not do what Jason did last night. I oh. I suspect I am not alone. Um, so I'll tell you one of the things that that guys do is. Uh, 
napping on game days between shoot arounds or between practices yeah, I've in heard the morning walkers. Um, not everyone can do this, uh, but but some guys really do try to do that. Um, I naps are great if you can really do it in a, uh, in a in a really discreet way, and it doesn't affect your getting to sleep at night. Um, and you know, guys have different routines around how they do it. Some people listen to music. Some people put on um, Mike Scott, for example, puts on two movies, one of two movies that he's seen a thousand times. Um, and he just puts them on in the background and they become white noise for him. So mm. he can fall asleep. Other guys like uh, Indiana Pacers, TJ McConnell um, can't have anything on, cannot fall asleep if he's got any sound or any, any light on. So he needs a completely dark and a completely silent room. And think about how hard that is to create for yourself. It's one thing to put a, let's say you're bringing your iPad with you and you can throw a movie on, put some headphones on, but if you need complete silence and, and, um, and darkness, that's, that's a hard thing to create, especially when you're on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much variability person to person when it comes to their ideal sleeping conditions, whether that's even room temperature, like you said, amount of noise, amount of sunlight, and and all of the above. Uh, you know, the research has shown that a 22 minute nap is ideal actually for recovery. <laughs> How they got there, I don't know, but that's right. what that's what it's shown. So if you can somehow figure out a way to do a 22 minute nap. Uh, it's going to be the most beneficial for you. At least that's what that's what the, the research has shown. Additionally, if you drink some coffee beforehand, this might seem counterintuitive, but coffee takes about 25 minutes to kick in. So if you drink some coffee, you go to sleep for 22 minutes, you're going to be ready to go. There you go. It's like your built-in alarm clock. There it is. Um, on the uh, on the flip side, you know, I I, I was talking with. I think it was Mike Scott I was talking to uh, about this topic and we're getting in there, you know, how do, how do you get to sleep and this and that. And mm-hmm. then Joel Embiid walked over and he casually says, I don't, I don't need to sleep. I don't ever need to sleep. And I, and I laughed and I looked at him and he said, but, but when I do, I'll just sleep for 10 hours straight. Now, Think about think about that, you know, how often these guys have 10 hours in a row to just conk out. Um, so that's one of those areas where I hope as he gets into his, uh, you know, his, his late uh, 20s that he starts to uh, realize the benefits of getting on, on a consistent schedule. And, you know, it's tough, but, uh, but that shows the, uh, the sort of mindset of, of Joel um, and, uh, and one of his areas of opportunity for growth. Absolutely. I think he's learning on the job already, right? He dropped a good amount of weight. So I think he's starting to see the benefits of really dialing in your health and fitness and your habits and hopefully losing that weight and his subsequent performance and less ideally uh, quad tendon, patella tendon pain that he had helps him reinforce the importance of all these things, nutrition, sleep habits, everything else going around. One guy I know who loves to sleep a lot, and he's learned this, is LeBron. For example, LeBron, they say, tries to get 12 hours of sleep a night when he can. So is that- Good for ever, him. Right. Is that is that 
possible usually probably not but that's a good goal to have yeah uh, a couple of people we we haven't talked much and i know we've mentioned it in previous conversations but a couple of people i want to want to point to um sue bird um mm-hmm. and ricky rubio um both are very heavy uh meditation people so mm. again the mental resilience the mental performance training you know the I think we talked about this last week, but it's that transition. One of the powers of sleep is transitioning out of the the stress and the um, the pressure of of game mode into into a rest and recovery mode. And and those are pretty two pretty good examples of people who really really um, look at yoga, meditation. Uh, things like that to uh, you know everything from massage, which is which is huge. Uh, there there is a lot of that um, in the NBA, but most most people think of that as more of a muscle recovery. Um, but you know there there's there's a lot of the science that people can lean on to try to try to help. Yeah, the research on like hands on massage, whatever you want to call it, it's shown that the actual kind of muscle recovery physically you're not really doing that much a lot of that recovery comes from the input you're putting into your nervous system and the relaxation response that comes along with it and being able to decrease some of that muscle overactivity and just chill out and go into that rest and recovery mode which is really which is what from a nervous system perspective that means you're in your parasympathetic nervous system, which is called rest and digest. The other side of the coin is your sympathetic nervous system. SNS are both part of your autonomic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight. So when you're really revving to go and all these aspects. Now, since we also talked, we want to talk about stress and athletes in this episode as well, especially as it relates to China and, and some of those players who went through chronic chronic stress and anxiety there was a nets player uh, who had been anonymously said in the dave mcmenamin article today saying you know is it really worth all this unneeded anxiety to be here and so the u.s i've always said that the one of the underlying problems the major disease causers in the u.s is chronic stress there's a mismatch mm-hmm. between that system and how it's evolutionarily meant to be used for big ticket items, right? When that wolf comes through your window or through your tent and you want to run versus what it's used for now. And that's chronic activation. Everyone is always stressed out, whether it's traffic, whether it's ruminating thoughts and things like that. So that chronic load, it's called allostatic load, accumulates over time and starts to affect player performance. For example, the World Health Organization classified burnout as a medical condition last year. And you think about the microscope some of these players are under constantly, and then you add in undue stress, whether it's China, whether it's other things, and it leads to only revving that system even more and the need for alleviating that via some of the methods that you mentioned, nutrition, right. regimented sleep schedule, and things of that nature. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, part of that stuff is baked into what makes America, America. And, uh, you know, if you think about the, um, the culture of immigration that we've got, it's, it, we were really built as a, as a place for people that were, um, that had a high risk tolerance, um, and saw the opportunity uh, as being uh, as outweighing the risks of coming to a new land uh, and starting a life over. So, you know, risk tolerance and that opportunity and risk um, motivation is sort of baked into our culture uh, in America. The um, you know we we just have um, generation upon generation of risk takers here, and with that comes the stress of that fight or flight sort of mechanism, right? And your willingness, if you think about how the the expansion across the plains, the willingness to load up a wagon um, to leave the East Coast and just go, you know, up to three thousand miles across the land. I mean, you know, th- these are the type of people that that the, uh, the country was built on. And there's a lot of positives to that. And we've seen a lot of, you know, we've seen a couple of hundred years of the positives of that, but the, the downsides are when, um, when that expansion is done and we're now fully populated, uh, coast to coast, um, and the opportunities become a little less obvious. If I just go here, I will be rich. You know, maybe maybe you want to do fracking in North Dakota or South Dakota. There's some of that still exists, but it's not as simple as it once was. So now the, the stress and, and all of that motivation is baked into your bones, but the opportunity side is less, less obvious. So people um, obviously are going to have some anxiety. Anxiety is going to build up. It's going to be a bigger problem, more progressive problem. Um, You know, it's a real challenge for us as a country. Yeah, absolutely. I think you especially see it in some of the bigger cities. I'm in LA. And so you constantly see it with the hustle and bustle, with the traffic, with everyone trying. Honestly, the fact that I mean, minimum wage has never, or a lot of wages are not connected to cost of living, right? So now you have to work more. You got to work more side jobs. There's more pressure for you to deliver. And so there's that constant anxiety and stress. And then people, because you're stressed, people treat each other in a worse manner, which then leads to more collective stress because you're angry and you're pissed off about things, you're pissed off at someone else, and therefore it's this constant vicious cycle. And you're, then you're, the problem is your body becomes almost like, it's like a, it's almost dialed in to always be revved up. It, it, it is, it's, that's where it's always at. And so you don't even know how to relax. And so I'll see a lot of clients who they get stressed out thinking about relaxing because they don't know how to do it. Right. right? And so it's, it's such a interesting conundrum. So I'll take them into some deep breathing and they're so uncomfortable because they just haven't ever done that in, in such a long period of time. And that's honestly where a lot of the meditation aspects can come in as well. And of course that's a process to get to that point, but that's really the benefit of meditation is being able to one, it gives yourself, give yourself a set period of time of just not having all those inputs. And secondly, being able to deal 
with some of that and understand how to process it without judging it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially as we get into the gig economy. You know, there's there's so many so many different things that a person now has to stitch together to create a sustainable life for themselves and and um being able to switch modes is just going to be more and more crucial um life skill and it's not something we're really talking about enough yet uh, because i don't think it's really it's really well understood it is it really does require a shift in mindset not to say that we you know we need to adopt a Mediterranean sort of uh, mindset, but we, we should, we should be looking at people who are learning and figuring these things out and, and learning from them, not just being jealous and, and, um, and not just secretly feeling terrible because everyone on Instagram seems to be on vacation all the time. (laughs) That's a whole, that's a whole podcast, but it's that's a whole other podcast, but the, um, the uh, I, I do think going back to the athletes, I think it's something that they um, they are they have been given access to certain tools. I think those things will sink in over time. Some people will have success with the, with those and other people will learn from those. And, and there are many ways to do it. I think one of the um, one of the things I saw yesterday again was uh, Tobias Harris gathered some of his young players, and and these are the fringe guys who are probably not going to make the final fifteen. He mm-hmm. gathered them before the um, before the game, and he brought them to chapel. And um, this really isn't a religious statement because I'm I'm really not a religious person, um, but that that sort of you know bringing people who are very stressed about a. Um, you know they're trying to make a roster. This this may be the for some people this might be the last uh, few days of an NBA career for them, and to pull them together and to bring them to a quiet place and to sort of center down into something, uh, I think was really valuable. And I think that's the those are the ways that even though Tobias is only twenty six or twenty seven, that people who are figuring out techniques that work for them can really help. Um, pass that on and you hope that just like people were smoking cigarettes on the bench 30 years ago in the NBA um, and we've come a lot lot, uh, come really far from there you you hope 10 years from now the the LeBron sort of life management um, and body management leads to longer more fulfilled uh, careers from these athletes. I definitely agree. And that awareness is, is certainly increasing. Now, I, I know some people, some physios and some trainers who work with some of the athletes and they're still saying it's really difficult. Maybe 10 to 15% of guys are willing to take that extra mile of really taking care of themselves and, on a daily basis. And even I think that was echoed by Tony Gonzalez who played for, you know, I think it's like 17 years, incredible longevity for a, for a tight end. And he said the same thing. He said 90% of guys are just there. There's a 10% of, of the players who are actually really there to optimize what they're doing and really love what they're doing and hope, but hopefully the awareness and the downside of not doing that and seeing some of your peers who peers, excuse me, who are doing it and how much it separated their game from yours and a lot of times the monetary differential that comes with that, 
will be a motivating factor for some of these players. And I think the generation, the next generation, especially who's being exposed to these things at a younger age and developing some of these better habits, they're the ones, like you said, in 10 years who we might really see with that understanding of how that LeBron-like mindset can really pay dividends for you throughout your career. Yeah, and a, or or a Vince Carter, like yep. you know, if I was a young player, I think he's back on Atlanta, but you know, I would be, I would be just shadowing that guy and just figuring out what he does every day because, you know, this this guy's forty one, I think, you know, yep. and um, you know, he was battling Allen Iverson deep into the playoffs in two thousand one. <laughs> this guy right. is still earning a paycheck, and. Um, there's got to be a lesson there for guys. Yeah. Just think about how much more money and not only more money, you know, we haven't gotten into the psychology of being an ex athlete right now, but it's, it's kind of devastating to peak so early in your life and have not everybody's going to be Shaq or Charles Barkley and have a long career of laughing and joking on TV about their, about the, the sport that they love, you know, for, for every one of those guys, you've got a hundred players who, you know, it's just over by the time they're, they're 30, 35. So, you know, being able to find, find something within yourself that, that brings you peace, uh, I think. And, and, and then learning the discipline of, of having a routine will pay dividends in, in sort of their second act as well. No, absolutely. And even just the research has shown when it comes to having some of those those schedules, especially sleep, the biggest predictor of injury risk in youth athletes is whether they slept less than eight hours the night before. So that should speak to just how influential sleep is, not only on performance, but also just staying healthy and being healthy. So as we get more of this research, I think we're really, really going to see athletes dialing those aspects in and so they can have those longer careers and like you said with the psychology of not being an athlete and not suffering those huge crashes you know mentally afterwards yeah i think we've uh i think we've beaten this topic up yeah absolutely <laughs> key, key takeaways it is key takeaways yeah sleep prioritize sleep and nutrition. Those are like the, that's the foundation of health. If you're out there getting massages, you're doing all these other things, but you're not dialed in on your sleep and nutrition, you're what we call hustling backwards, right? You're spending 90% of your time on something that's going to make a 10% difference. Mm, Focus first on the low hanging fruit, which is sleep, nutrition, and then you can even say then a daily exercise aspect and then limiting chronic stress as well. That's a little bit more complicated because there's so many different variables. But those we had to really work on the lifestyle habits first before trying to get to the top of the pyramid, which is, you know, all the advanced lifting and strength training and all those things. Absolutely. I think that especially for these guys in their in their age group, you know. For as people get into their forties and fifties, it's really important to be in the gym and, and stay active. But 
you know, guys that are in their twenties, it's probably more important that they get good recovery. Yeah. Um, every bit as much as being in the weight room. Yeah. If you, one last thing, if you, if you study all the players who have stayed relevant for long periods of time, LeBron, Tony Gonzalez, Kareem, Roger Federer, Tom Brady, even though he does some, you know, TB12 method is interesting, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, that's, uh, but yeah, it, that... if, so not even their actual, what they're actually doing, look at their approach, right? They understand that what they did when they're younger, what they did daily might not manifest positively in the short or even medium term, but where it's really going to show up is in 15 years down the line. And that's that long-term perspective is what you see from these guys who have been, who are playing for 20 plus years. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff. Uh, NBA season starts soon. Uh, major, uh, major league baseball is about to enter a world series. The NFL trade deadline is coming up. Any major NFL injuries? I didn't. I didn't see anything major. This I didn't week. see anything major. Saquon might be back this week, from my understanding, which would be about. Which I thought. I thought him coming back for that Thursday night game last week would just be too much risk for him. So it made sense. Jalen Ramsey apparently uh, had a miraculous recovery of his back <laughs> injury. Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible what one flight to LA will do for you. It's the it's not the heat, it's the humidity, I guess. Absolutely. Completely agree. See? It's amazing. That's that's the true essence of mind body connection. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, I can't think of any major ones within yeah, these sports. Not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Anthony Davis, I was told that his thumb was gonna get chopped off and amputated. Okay. But who needs it? Yeah, you don't need it. But it turns out he's already back to he'll be playing tonight, so Okay, good. Uh, by the way, I saw the Detroit Pistons are playing a back-to-back in the preseason. I may have mentioned this earlier. That just sounds crazy to me. Why would they do it to them? Detroit's got enough going yeah. against them. Why, why, are they, why are they trying to make them? I no why are they trying to kill these kids? That and uh, I didn't know this before. So I had thought that the Lakers had scheduled three games. I didn't. I thought the league had scheduled the Lakers to play three out of five, three games and in five days after the China trip with the one day mm. break, the team chooses their own preseason schedule. Okay. I wish I had no idea of which kind of makes me question mm. everything. And so to your point about the Pistons, why the hell are you doing back to back games during the preseason? It's uh it's wild to me. It's uh they did rest, uh, uh, rest Blake and Andre Drummond last night. I think, least one of those two well i think blake didn't even make the trip good good teammate good guy yeah then he, uh, he's been dealing with a, a hamstring issue i know he had i think he had arthroscopic knee surgery over the summer as well i don't expect to really see much of him until the season hell of a player and uh i believe he is getting much better as a stand-up comedian do you know that blake interned with neil brennan over the summer i did i did know that that's uh pretty cool I like I like Blake Griffin. Yeah, he's a cool. I've actually met Blake in per, uh, in person. He's a really cool, pretty cool, down to earth dude. And so, no, I mean, I always enjoy seeing what he's doing 
off the court as well as on the court. And, you know, one final point, I think that's his release to be able to get rid of some of that stress, right? He's really pursuing his interests off the court as well, which are great for any athlete to alleviate, you know, always being stuck in that athlete mode is going to, it's difficult to always be there. So you need some of these side interests. Absolutely. Could not agree more. I think that, you know, it's one thing to be a gym rat, but at, at, um, at a certain point, I think bring it and, and obviously what we try to do in this podcast is bring in different perspectives and, and, and look at things from different ways. Uh, being able to do that in a sports context can, can really help both from a, from a de-stressing standpoint, go to a, a place that, um, or an activity that really doesn't have that kind of stress or at least changes, um, that, or, um, and just sort of give you something after your career that, that you can build your, your sense of self around. So I think it's all good. Yep. I mean, he's more than an athlete. He's a comedian. Yeah. So. And you know what, uh, LeBron, when he owns all of Los Angeles, both, Every every uh, movie company and the Lakers, um, in ten years, uh, you know, he, he'll probably give uh, give Blake some jobs as a yeah, I mean, as a host sponsored by Tencent. Sponsored by Tencent. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, just some plugs for ourselves. You can always find myself on uh, social media. Twitter and YouTube at 3CB Performance, 3 Charlie Beta Performance, and Jason yourself. Uh, Jay Blevins MBA on Twitter. You can find my writings on Tencent.com. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ThePaintedLines.com. Uh, we are we're very excited about this uh, coming season and the beginning of His Dark Materials on HBO. We're hoping we'll be a good show. Um, I'm listening to that. Speaking of sleep, I've been listening to the audio book and it's so soothing that I don't even get one chapter in every night. I'm knocked out. I'm asleep. So, um, nice. looking forward to that. So, all right. Until next week. Bye.